This is a Rooster Teeth production. How many times in all of the podcasts that you've participated in now, we're really uh, creating that entire vertical for our company. Uh, how many times have you done a podcast and had uh, had it get lost? Oh, maybe once, if ever. It's I- it's such a thing that you fear. That happens so very rarely. Yeah, I, I have definitely. We have definitely had podcasts where we start going, and then I realize I'm not rolling mm. until about five minutes in. Then I start rolling. That's happened like three or four times. I just had my first podcast. Just didn't get recorded Ugh. for uh, annual pass, the theme park podcast. I was like, I can't believe I made it 19 and a half years in Dude. this industry, which is you know, predates podcast by about yeah. nine years. <laughs> and that's the first time it's happened. You know, uh, we're at Bino this morning, which has a lot more audio texture than our last place. Okay. And uh, this is the the coffee shop you mentioned last time during your Epoch Fest. Yeah, this is like the sequel to the last coffee shop conversation. Yeah, so it's I like guess. the sequel to... The, I'm, I'm getting rained on, or am I getting bird shit on me? What the fuck just happened? Uh, there's been we're, some, We there's are some... underneath a uh, palm tree and this other tree, and they're, they're just dripping. It's just tree drippings. Yeah, man, cool. that's good. tree sex. Uh, hope it gets in my coffee. Um, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about how you had been looking for that old Ford Bronco. You couldn't find it. You bought that truck. I had an old truck. Uh, and, you know, we worked on them and whatever. You let yours fall apart and die in your driveway. But uh, it, huh? the, the, reason, the reason I had bought that truck was I felt like at that time, how old was I? I was like 25, 26. Yeah, you were about that. Like I was an adult and I knew nothing about how cars worked, right? Yeah. It was like it's this enigma. You, you, get, you pay a ton of money for it. You get in, you turn the key, you hope it turns on, it takes you where you need to go. And I was like, I want to do something about that, right? Like, my dad knew about cars, his dad knew about cars, like, and here I am, just like, some wannabe adult with a car who has no idea how it works. So I bought this 64 Chevy, broke down all the time. It was like a running joke. You guys always saw me, you always saw that truck broken down at a various roads around Austin. <laughs> yeah, I would always, it was always the joke was like, should I bring a coffee when I pick up Gus on the side <laughs> of the road on the way to work? It broke down all the time, but it was an immense learning experience. Now, nowadays, you know, modern cars, totally different than back then, but like, you give me like a car with a carburetor that's not fuel injected, I kind of know my way around it. He says this as if, we lived together for a lot of this period. Uh-huh. We both had these old trucks at the same time. I know how much shit he's full of because I went to his mechanic too. Listen, because uh, he big bought the stuff, car first. The big stuff the mechanic took care of. Arbor Auto but Works. I learned. Is I learned where we a would lot. go to get old cars. Did I fixed. not swap out the fuel filter or not the fuel filter? The fuel pump uh, in front of your house. I have I'm, no memory. You of that, remember? But if you I say left. You did. I left a giant stain of gasoline all over the street. Yeah, I see. You remember now. <laughs> so. Uh, the reason I say all this is to set up this story of what happened to me this morning. I was, I was a little late. I was about 10 minutes late coming here to the, the podcast recording this morning. I guess I should rewind a little bit. On Friday... Hold, uh, hold on. Rewind a little bit further and to... Good morning, Gus. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to get you into these days. So Friday morning, I woke up and I had a text from one of my neighbors. And he was like, hey, I just... He's like, I came home this morning, like at 1230 in the morning. And there was some dude like pushing his car and stopping it, you know, in front of your house. And uh, he just left it there. He said, uh, the battery's dead, and he'll be back for it. And I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah, and I was like, okay, that's weird, whatever. I was like, all right, yeah, thanks for letting me know. And there's this, like, Toyota Camry in front of my house. Not, like, I don't know how old it is, maybe 15 years old, like a 15-year-old Camry just in front of my house. Like, all right, I guess this guy's going to come by later today. You know, and I, I check my security camera footage, and sure enough, this, I see this guy, like, pushing a car. I'm like, that sucks. 
Friday afternoon, he comes back out, and I'm at work, you know, and uh, I'm like, oh, cool, guy's back out. I assume he's got a new battery. He's going to swap this out. He'll be gone. He's there for, like, an hour or two. Then he leaves, and the car's still there. I'm like, well, that's weird. He Guy came. His car's still here. Didn't see him Saturday. Didn't see him Sunday. Today's Monday, by the way. Today, Monday morning, I'm going to leave, and he's back out there again. And I can see he's got a battery, and I'm like, He's been out there for like an hour. Swapping the battery out should only take like 15 minutes. Like yeah, something, that. something's wrong. Like he, some, something's gone sideways. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go out here and uh, you know, see what's going on with this guy. See if I can help him. Poor guy, man. It's just like, it's obvious he has no idea what he's doing. Like he's just totally lost. He's like, yeah, I was you know, trying to swap the battery out. I dropped one of these nuts. It fell in, down in the engine somewhere. I can't find it. He's like, I tried to start the car. This big spark came out. I don't know what's happening. I'm like, I'm like looking at it. I'm How like, old is this guy? He's probably, if I had to guess, early 30s. Okay. And I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, you just, you're like, you're the, the terminals are loose, like where your battery connects. Like, like we just got to tighten all this stuff down. He's like, yeah, I tried to, but then it sparked real bad. I was like, here, just take the negative terminal off. Like, I'm like, here, I, like, mm. this is yeah, yeah. car maintenance 101, right? I'm like, here, you know, I've got my tools right there. I'm like, let me, let me help you out. Take it all apart, like clean off the terminals, you know, hook it all back together, tighten it all up. I can't find that nut that he dropped. It's like the nut that tightens the, the positive terminal and like so like i looked through my toolbox and i find you know I can't, I can't find the same nut but i find like some twine to at least like wrap it because there's a there's not a part store not too far away yeah like i'm just trying to get it running again for him so he can like get somewhere where he can get this <laughs> fixed and i'm like all right you know i was like it's not a hundred percent i said i'm you know i wouldn't take this car on a road trip i said but you know this is going to last you for a couple miles like it'll at least get you the auto parts store down the road it's like you need these terminals cleaned you need to get a new nut for this. So like, they, they have all that stuff there. Like, I don't have anything you need here. This yeah. is the best I can do. I was like, go down over there, turn get over the there. Fuck out of my yeah. I don't have leave. anything you need here. <laughs> go away. So I get. I, I sent him on his way as best I could. But I felt so bad for the guy because I was like, I was in that position at one point. Yeah. Where it's like, I have no idea. It's just this mystery box that runs. So I had to help a dude get his car started. It started, and he, he drove away. Not my problem anymore. You know, you know who else can help in that situation? A, mechanics are great for that. But B, YouTube. All the dude had to do was Google how to change a battery and watch a very informative video yeah. that would have explained everything. I'm to sure. Him. You know, yeah, yeah. You're Ignorance right. Ignorance is no longer an excuse for any task. You, you are right. You, you could absolutely Google it. Uh, but I mean, there is some practical aspect to it, right? Sure, like, sure, sure. He, you could watch a YouTube video, but the YouTube video might not cover. Hey you didn't tighten the terminals enough or like you didn't tighten these connectors enough. There's some corrosion. I guess maybe we'd talk about corrosion or maybe it would cover some of this stuff, but you know, there is a certain amount of hands-on experience that is helpful for stuff and, like that. And to be fair to the guy, it's not like he knocked on your door and said, I need help. He yeah. was trying to work it out Honestly, on his own. And I'm, then you injected yourself. I'm into his shocked. Problem. He didn't knock on my door on Friday. Like I, I, I didn't think to go home to try to help him or anything because I was like, He's got it under control. He came back. Like, if it's just a battery, he can just swap a battery out. I've done a 180 on this guy. I'm a big fan. No, you know what? I just did a 180 back. I'm back against the guy, and here's why. He had three days to figure this out. That car sat in your park all true. weekend. Yeah. 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 He could have uh, uh, tried a million. Well, I watched a million YouTube videos. I'd, or got a friend, maybe? Yeah, that probably, yeah, probably, you know, called a traveling mechanic something. I don't know. Well, I don't know. But that, then, that, that stuff gets expensive. In inflation, I'm, I'm flipping back hey, Hang on. He's flipping again. again. Hang on. Are we doing a 540 yeah, at this yeah. point? <laughs> We're working on a 720. Hang on. I can't keep up with the Let's math. Let's get Tony Hawk on this uh, on this podcast ASAP. It, it, it just sucks, right? Like, I mean, I've been there. And yeah. so I feel I feel bad for the guy because, I, like, you know, we had that running joke about my truck always breaking down. I was like, man, what a difference 
a couple decades of living uh, can have. And like, I guess even you know, going out of your way to try to seek out how to figure these things out. And, and in all seriousness, too, it is no fun to have a car breakdown in Texas. Especially right now. We're in, in the, the summer. In the middle of a heat wave. Yeah. It was like 105 degrees yesterday. That's what killed me on my truck eventually, yeah. was it kept breaking down, and it didn't have air conditioning, so it'd be like... Just it'd be like 115. It was always 115 yeah. degrees on the side of I-35. It, and last night it was 100 degrees at like 9:30 p.m. Yeah, the sun was gone and it was still 100 degrees out here. And I, I'm sure wherever you're listening from, it's hotter there. Sorry, you live there. Um, yeah, we get it. It's <laughs> this is not the hottest place on earth, but it's the heat that <laughs> we're dealing with. Us. <laughs> Start your own podcast. Fuck <laughs> off. Over here on this part of town, you know, we're off. Uh, we're at the Bennu. Are there other Bennus, or is this the only one? This no, is the there's, one I know there's, of. there's others. Uh, there's okay. one on South Congress, I think, um, over by in the free, where Freebirds is. Oh, okay, the yeah, stabbing Freebirds. like Riverside yeah. and, and South Congress. Yeah, this is the only one. When I think of Bennu. This is the place I think of. And like being on this part of town, we're on MLK, like east of 35. It makes me always think of. It's not even that it's that close, but it makes me think of like East Fifth and East Sixth down, you know, a little south of here. And it makes me think about that business. I don't even know what the business was that used to be there. I think it was on East 6th that had that dumb-ass clock out front in the early 2000s or the late 90s. You remember that? Oh, Oh, I know who bought it eventually, but who was it at the time? Amplifier had that building for a while. Before them, someone, some internet business had a building out there, and they put a big clock on the side of the road that just spun real fast and didn't tell the time. And it it said internet time. It makes no sense. That dude. sucks. Yeah, it's it, so it, dumb. It was, just, just, it was like a ISP or something. I, I, it was talking about how fast they were. If you go down there, I think that clock is still out there on the side of the road, but it doesn't say internet time anymore, and it doesn't just constantly run super fast. It's just like oh, a so normal it, clock oh, now. Oh, it's just a clock? <laughs> it's I not f- telling internet time anymore. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it's so dumb. That would have been where they were working when we first started working with them, I think. Right before yes. they moved. Yes. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah that was so a years ago. Amplifier, they were... We worked with them for a long time. They were our fulfillment house for really cool people. Online store. They also did uh, some video production. Oh, actually, you know what? You ever me- you remember like in the late '90s, there were those demotivational posters. Despair. They made that up. That was them. Really? That's yeah. how they ended up with a fulfillment company. Is they were making these posters and calendars. Oh wow! And they were doing so well, they had to go out and find outsourced uh, a vendor to ship their stuff. And they were running into the same problems that we were. And so they decided they figured out very quickly how to run that business better than any vendor they could find. And so they just became a shipping company for their own product. And then that business took off. And so, uh, so they were a fulfillment house for years. For years. And years so and years. yeah, the demotivational poster people. If you bought something from us for 10 years or so, the demotivational poster people sent you your, <laughs> crazy, your merchandise. Crazy thing about them is they had the, because they're Austin, right, local, they had the Live Strong campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, they did the shipping for them. Those little yellow bracelets. I don't know if you remember back in the day when those yellow cancer bracelets came out. Oh, yeah. Apparently, anti-cancer bracelets. Anti-cancer bracelets. Yeah, they didn't there. give you cancer. They were, they were <laughs> no, I, I will say, I, it's hard to find the uh, cancer bracelets. Yeah. Most star anti. <laughs> Those are made of lead, and they're, they're still around. Uh, and I'm butchering this story because it's not my story. I just remember this from, I think, from the original pitch when we first started talking to him. But, uh, but you know, they were doing, like, small, small business, uh, kind of a local uh, fulfillment house. Doing this like small cancer thing with Livestrong and anti cancer thing, anti cancer thing, <laughs> and then he went on Oprah, 
and they sold 17 million in like one day, and they had to ship them all, and it changed their business. Yeah, ima- yeah. Eric's jaw dropped. Imagine that you wake up, you go to the office, like, oh, we need to ship 17 million. Not things. a couple hundred like we're used to, or maybe a thousand, but like 17 million all at once. That's outrageous. And so they blew up, and yeah, and big big they, Austin success they, story. They, they also dabbled in video production. And yeah. when uh, years ago we were, you know, making Red versus Blue, you know, everything we distributed was in standard definition. And finally, you know, God, what year was it? It must have been like 07, maybe 06. We were like, we need to start making videos in high definition. And we just couldn't figure out the workflow to do it. You know, we had the capture card, but just like hard drives weren't fast enough back then. It's like you couldn't write data fast enough to do this capture. Codex hadn't really, you know, they were, hadn't really matured to the point where you could do this easily. So I remember I went over to Amplifier for a day because I knew they did video production. I was like, show me how you all capture and encode your HD footage. And they showed me. They were like, this is the hardware we use. This is our workflow. So I just like tried to remember. I took, I wrote down as many notes as I could, <laughs> went back to our office, bought all the same hardware, and then was like, boom, now we can capture HD. And then we made the Red vs. Blue Out of Mind series was our like proof of concept wow. for high definition. Didn't even watch a YouTube video. Figured it all out. <laughs> I think YouTube was a year old maybe yeah, yeah, at yeah. this point, like if that. So that's why we were able to. We had to buy like a, a raid array of like super fast hard drives, and it was a whole production. It was super expensive, but they're like, okay, cool. Now we can make eight high def videos. Dude, that reminds me. Talking about how long ago that was. Did Bernie send you that thing the other day? He goes. He he texted me this. He said, "Do you want to feel old? RVB came out before the Star Wars prequels finished filming. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings and the Matrix movies. Wow. Yeah. That's and crazy. YouTube." And my, Facebook. When we started, when we started Rooster Teeth, my father was one year older than I am right now. Oh my God! What? Your dad was. I knew your dad. He. I guess I still know your dad, but I knew him then too. He was so old. He was such <laughs> he a dad. He was one year older than I am <laughs> your dad right had now. Gray hair back then, I think. <laughs> Crazy. That's wild, right? I guess. The, how does that make you guys feel? Kind of just. It's been so long you've been doing this, and now you're getting to the I, point where it's just like, yeah, that's how old my parents were. I, like, made, a real, I made this realization the other day because I was reviewing a video we were going to put out where I'm acting like a jackass. Uh-huh. And I was like, my dad was a year older than this. I can't imagine my dad walking around with an iPhone filming this. <laughs> and that was, yeah, it would have been him. Well, now i got to figure out how old my mom was. Okay. 2003. In 2003. And I'm born in 1975. Five, and so you add the five gets you to 80, and that's yeah, five. Uh-huh. And then two, that's 25, 28. Uh-huh. I was 28 in 2003, uh-huh. and my mom is, was born in 1955, so that makes her 20 years older. That's 48. Okay. So she was one year older than me. Oh, <laughs> oh you're in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's really scary when you contextualize it that way, huh? Oh, my Lord. Uh, that, was my, that was my Howard Stern math for you there. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty that good. Was great. Nine times seven. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're at the age where your parents were when you started this. Yeah. So what does that mean? It, it means I might finally get a real job soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I don't know what it means, but I know I wake up every day and I wear my uniform is a T-shirt and swim trunks seven days a week. And that was not my mom at 47. So you, Yeah, specifically... Boston Celtics shirts. I think every episode we've recorded, you've been wearing a Boston Celtics shirt. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Celtics play tonight. I, I wear the shirt. Were the Celtics playing the, in episode one? I'm sure um, they must have been. It's in the, it was the playoffs, and they were in the finals. I have to wear Celtics clothes every day to, on the on game day to support the Celtics. What's the series at? Uh, 2-2 okay. right now. 
You, did you hear the story I told earlier? Yeah. To Eric? Yeah. I was supposed to go to that game. <laughs> Sad. It's okay. It happens. Get it, Listen, this is the new world we live in. COVID, COVID happens. And tree and Yeah. It, there is not a non-stop. cloud in the sky, dude. It's, it is definitely like tree jizz. Well, yeah, no, it's definitely tree. I didn't just make that up. That's just what trees do. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Whoa. I don't mind it. It's like a Gus, Gus like a just Texas saw mister. Gus just saw a pigeon flying and went, whoa. It was hovering. <laughs> it was flying. It stopped in mid-air. <laughs> it was just like holding position. I was con- I was convinced it was lining up a shit shot on Jeff. I have a I have a question for you. So right. we're at Binu uh at like MLK and Poquito. What's that? Poquito. Poquito? It means little or a little bit. Oh yeah, Poquito. I was thinking Chicone, but yeah, you're we're, technically we are at uh, little Dick and uh, <laughs> yeah, Little Dick and MLK. Uh, <laughs> which not two words you hear together a lot, uh, or two phrases. <laughs> and right, ac- right across from Binu is a giant construction site. They're building. I'm assuming probably uh, condos. Condos, probably eight story yeah. condos. So, or what is the level they can go with sticks before they have to use four? Carpet? Four. Okay, it's probably four, four, four story condos. I, I lived in this area, and you lived in this area for a long time. Yeah. What was on the other side of this building a month ago? Do you remember what was there before they tore it down? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, yeah, same. I was going to say Arnold Oil, but no, that was down like on 6th or 5th. It fifth. may have been this house that was like this lesbian babysitter club that Millie would go stay at sometimes. They would have like this group of lesbians mm-hmm. would have like a little like just like group babysitting thing that was hmm. kind of cool. Um, but I don't think so. I think, I, I think there was some sort of other business there. But the thing that's been driving me crazy about Austin lately is... I've lived it for 27 years, and I ride my bike 20 miles a day through it. I've, yeah. I feel like I've memorized the city. But the second something gets bulldozed, I lose all memory of it. <laughs> and I, it's like I, it might, might as well have never existed. I use Google Street View historic data all the time to try really? to remember what was where and what something looked like. It's funny you bring that up because I was recently thinking about Flipnotics, who I hadn't thought of, what I hadn't thought about mm. in years. That would have been like a for, pro. Oof. That would have been a prime, you know, animal location to record at if they were still around. But it was like a, a coffee shop that had a couple of locations around town. They're gone. They've probably been gone 15 years. I want to say the, and this is going off. Of, well, first off, Flipknox is the very first coffee shop I ever went to in Austin oh. in, 19, in 1994. It's over off Barton, or was off Barton Springs. I think it's a clothing like store a, and a juice, juice land land or something. Juice Not a juice land, land but like a, whatever, a juice daily bar, juice maybe. Yeah. And it's like right at the edge of this of this huge hill that goes up into that neighborhood, and it's like a split level two story deal. It's a adorable building. Yeah. And I want to say like when I was in there in '94, the very first time I have ever I, I ever stepped foot in there, and I remember this very clearly because my first wife smoked, and we walked in, and the guy who owned the place was talking about having cancer, like a lung cancer, I think. And my ex-wife was asking if it was a smoking place. And I was like, this is not appropriate time to ask that question. Yeah. I remember being like, ugh, we'll just get our coffee and sit outside. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Uh, I think the first coffee shop, now that you mentioned, I think the first coffee shop I ever went to in Austin, I don't remember the name of it. Maybe you can help me remember. It was on the drag right across from UT. It was a 24-hour place. Insomnia. Insomnia. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. right next to like LaFun and Einstein's yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I used to go there because, uh, you know, in the last episode, we talked about bowling night at the call center. Some nights that weren't bowling night, we used to go to Einstein's and LaFun instead, which were like 24 hour arcades over there on the drag. And we would go down and we'd drink coffee, we'd get coffee at Insomnia or get whatever, and then go over to like LaFun and play, you know, whatever video games were out there until like four or five in the morning and then, mm. you know, go home and sleep. Just typical 
dumb young kid shit. I wonder why I never had any money back. <laughs> I was wasting it on coffee at midnight. I would hang out at that coffee shop in the mid-90s all night long because I, I couldn't get into bars. Yeah. And just try. And there was like a bunch of gutter punks and squatters and stuff there back in the 90s. And I would just try to fit in and not look like I was in the army. You know, and just try to be like, this is just, and just be desperate to be there with them and not in the military. Uh, I was like, why did I join the army and not the coffee shop army? This is where I want to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember one thing about that insomnia place. It was one of the most disgusting things. I was standing in line to use the bathroom, and they would always have people come in from outside to use the yeah, bathroom yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 24-hour coffee shop? Yeah, yeah, of course. And there was this, like, kind of heavyset dude in front of me who was about my age, and he was fucked up. I remember he was very, very drunk. And he was just, like, talking to me, and I was trying not to talk back. And uh, and he was just like, I'm going to do a sprinkler. And I was like, okay. I don't, I don't know what that is. And he went into the bathroom, and when he came out, he just goes, gave me a thumbs up. And I walked in, and I guess a sprinkler is when you stand in the middle of the bathroom, and you just piss in a oh circle my God. until you run out. And the place was just like at waist high, just covered in like a ring of urine. And I was horrified, and I actually tried to clean some of it up, oh and then I'm like, God. oh, why am I cleaning up somebody what? else's mess? But I, but then I walked outside, because there's a line, and I I'm get like, you. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I swear to God, that wasn't me. It was the other guy. I didn't make it. I tried to clean it up. I, I don't know. And I just left. Oh, I'm my horrified God. Horrified that people would think that I'd done that. I hear you. I would, I would do the same. I would not leave. That bathroom would be spotless. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, my God. You guys are nuts. That's crazy. I I, I'm neurotic. I don't want people blaming me for that. Ugh. I'm not going to touch some stranger's piss. Well, I used to wouldn't touch it. Yeah, you had a bunch of paper towels. But it was like, I was just, I felt so <laughs> bad. And I remember thinking, too, like, somebody's got to clean this up. Yeah. Just because somebody wanted to be a dickhead, you know? You want to do a sprinkler. Because you want to do a sprinkler. <laughs> but it's something I'd never heard of before or since. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I quickly figured it out, but yeah. I, I was, I'm horrified uh -huh. here to... To know that someone actually does that, uh, I wonder why uh, people don't want to work those kinds, of, these kinds of retail jobs anymore, huh? <laughs> no kidding. God, imagine that you're just like you working at a coffee shop just to make some money. It's like great, someone pissed all over the bathroom, and now I got to clean that up. Oh man, somebody get <laughs> a fucking sprinkler in here. <laughs> Can I tell you this is not an Austin story, but this is a high school story. Can I tell you the worst story about bathroom cleanup? Oh God, this is brief. I won't get into it. But I, in high school, I worked at a place called Sydney's Fried Chicken in Theodore, Alabama, and it was like. A low rent Popeyes. Okay. Like, and so uh, I, I worked in the back washing dishes because I made the customers uncomfortable. <laughs> this is the release. They're on brand early on. Yeah. yeah, and I got it too. I believe me, I got it because the second they would, anytime somebody would call in sick and I'd have to work the counter, I'd be like, yes, I get to screw with people. Uh, so anyway, there would always be a fight over who would have to clean up a particularly dirty toilet. And it's because I, I was the dishwasher. I was pretty low on the totem pole yeah. and pretty determined to stay low on the totem pole uh, because of my mouth. And so they would always make me clean it. And one night they came in and just gave me a scrub brush and were like, it's a bad one. You got to clean it. And so I was like, ugh. So I went to clean it and I scrubbed it. And it was a ladies bathroom and it was hideous. And it was a, it was a, it was a due-to explosion. It was very terrible. I won't get into it. But um, there due was explosion this, is enough. There was this girl I worked with that think her name was Bianca, and uh, she was the one who didn't want to clean it, and I hated her. And this wasn't on purpose, but um, she was my friend's sister, and I just didn't like her. And uh, I was walking back, and I was holding back around the counter, and I was bringing the scrubber back with me because it didn't stay in the bathroom for some reason. I don't know. The customers will steal it. I guess. Yeah, probably, honestly. That's probably, yeah. Do a sprinkler? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I, do, I was just, like, going to go give it back to Keith and be like, here, asshole. And I was just, like, swinging it as I was walking. Oh, no. And she would bend over. She was getting some, I think, like, <laughs> napkins or something no. from under the counter. Oh. And I went, what? And I looked over, and it had just grabbed her in the hair. She no. had curly hair. No. And it just got wrapped and tangled oh, in no. her hair. And it was 
I think, in there, and I had to like separate it. And she was screaming, and it was a whole thing. I, and she got to go home, and I, I got yelled at. This is one of those things. You obviously, like you said, you didn't do it on purpose. I think it was one of those things that subconsciously your mind set up. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, right. Your mind set this scenario in motion, and uh, you got to experience it. Is there any Bianca? Anyway, that's neither here nor Austin, or there nor here. Well, we all most likely know someone who smokes, and it's all. Fun and games until, you know, that smoke starts uh, interfering with your life, getting on your clothes. That's why it might be a good idea to encourage that person to check out Fume. Fume is the natural inhaler designed for a better, safer, natural way to quit cigarettes. It's a no smoke, no vape, no nicotine replacement for hand-to-mouth habit of smoking. Fume handcrafts wooden inhalers and uses cores infused with plant oil studied to curb cravings. They have flavors like peppermint and conquer with minty notes to simulate menthol cigarettes and other flavors like cozy chai and lemonberry bliss for a sweeter experience. And all of their flavors are 100% natural, no harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors, absolutely no nicotine. Quitting's tough. Fume can help. They've got thousands of five-star reviews from smokers who have tried everything else and this worked. Personally, I don't smoke, but I think this is a great way to try to get someone off of that smoking habit and to have them stop using that nicotine and, you know, inhaling all those harmful chemicals. So whether you're a smoker or ex-smoker who still struggles with cravings, Fume is the perfect tool for you. Head to breathefume.com slash anma. Use promo code anma to save 10% off your entire order. That's 10% off your entire order when you head to breathefume.com. That's B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M.com slash anma. A-N-M-A, and use code ANMA. Over the past couple of years, I think we've all become a little more familiar with burnout and what it can entail and, you know, having feelings like that. Whether it's working too much, not taking enough time for oneself, you know, uh, there's different ways it can uh, it can manifest itself. You know, life can be overwhelming. Many people are burned out without even knowing it. Uh, symptoms can include lack of motivation, irritability, fatigue, and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead to us feeling burned out. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. You know, going to therapy, talking to someone, getting some help doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with you. I think, you know, most people can benefit from, you know, just airing their thoughts out and getting a second opinion on things. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash anma. That's betterhelp.com slash anma. When, uh, you know, like I said, I was, or like I said earlier, I was thinking about this part of town. I was thinking about that stupid internet time clock. And it made me start to think about, like, the first time I used the internet. Again, maybe this is a little, of what I think for both of us, this is pre-Austin. Maybe start mm. thinking about, like, the first time I used the internet and, like, really early internet days. And I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a huge nerd. Uh, I was even more so when I was a teenager. And uh, I started. This, this is this is 20 years of me trying to cool them. Up. <laughs> and 25. Shit. Uh, and uh, I, I was thinking back to like those first internet experiences. And like when I first started using the internet, it must have been like 92, 93. Like to the point where it predated the existence of the web. Yeah. Like the internet was like different protocols that don't exist anymore. Like the internet was more robust. It was like these different ways of transferring files and seeking information that no one uses anymore. Nowadays, the internet's just like apps and the web and that's it. And uh, I was thinking about how different this all is. And I was, the first time I used the web specifically, I remember it very clearly. I remember my first time using the web. It was uh, 1994, it was the summer. It was 
probably like June of 94. And I was at what is now Texas State. Was it not? Yeah, it was Southwest Texas University back then. Now it's Texas State down in San Marcos. And I was at a summer camp and I had been in the Vax Lab, which was like a mainframe kind of deal where you set like a little terminal. It's just like a keyboard and a monitor and it's all text and super nerdy stuff, yeah. right? And uh, something you'd see like in a 90s hacker movie. And uh, I'd, I'd gone over to a different lab than normal and they had, you know, computers with web browsers in there. I was like, all right, I'm going to check this web thing out. And, like, the lab tech showed me how to use, like, NCSA Mosaic, which was, I guess, the only web browser at the time. And, you know, he loaded it up, showed me. He's like, this is, you know, this is the web. This is going to take over. Everyone's going to be using this. And I was like, okay. So, like, I, try, I was looking for, like, I don't know. I was looking for some, like, research paper. I was doing a project. And I'm, like, looking it up, and it's taking forever to load. And it's slow, and it's slow. And in my mind, I'm like, it's this slow because of all these stupid pictures. And I asked the lab tech, I'm like, is it always this slow? He goes, oh, yeah, I guess it must be a busy time on the Internet right now. And I looked him dead in the eye, and I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> this is never going to take off. People don't want pictures on the internet. This is so stupid. I could be done with this if I was in the Vax Lab already. And I stood up, left, and went back to the Vax Lab, and I've never been more wrong about anything in my life than I was at that moment. Which just speaks to what a fucking insolent little dick I was yeah. when I was a teenager. Like, I thought I knew everything. I thought I had the entire world figured out. I was 16 years old, and I thought I was the smartest fucking person in the world. What a dumb little piece of shit I was. Yeah. We were so dumb and so wrong, even, and a lot of even early Roosty stuff, but yeah, that's... Do you... <laughs> that, well, here's an Austin tech, uh, context to put it in. This was... We've been doing this for so long that when we would do those yard sales we talked about, when we talked about drunk sailing yeah. and stuff, we would find a lot of those yard sales on Austin.YardSale, I believe, on news groups. Yeah, yeah. Or Austin for sale. News groups and uh, the Statesman. We'd have, we'd have well, to look yeah. in, in the, the newspaper, too, yeah. in the classifieds, to look all that stuff up. What do you think you'll be wrong about next? Oh, God. Everything? I don't know. I feel like I'm wrong about so many things. There are very few... T and I, I think that's actually, that's actually part of growing up, right? Yeah. It's like, you don't have to be right all the time. There's just like strategic times you can be right. <laughs> and I think we have lucked out enough and gotten a couple of things right, which so that we've made, we've been there when the stars align. Well, there's also nothing, there's jeez, not, dive bomb by that bird. There's also uh, Are you gonna make fun of him? The bird was just flying. Some aerial texture. It. It's like a Harrier jump jet. <laughs> Another bird was flying. <laughs> okay. Well, we there's nothing better for your for personal growth than being confidently wrong. Oh, yeah. You know? That's a real gut punch for you. <laughs> I started the uh, on my internet journey in the Army. Uh, I think I even mentioned that uh, early on in this, about how I got had to make websites for yeah. uh, the Army. But I think the first time I ever used the Army was... Or <laughs> used the Army. <laughs> the first time I probably used the Army was the internet. Now, the first time I probably used the internet was in, in the Army, yeah. and uh, I, I was probably 18. And to me, the it was an immediate, like explosion of solving problems I had had my whole life that I didn't understand, mm -hmm. I didn't think I'd ever be able to solve, that mostly related to me trying to, learning actual lyrics from Misfit songs. Uh, because when I was, when stuff, you were a punk yeah. rock kid growing up in the 80s, you listened to music and you wrote down what you thought they were saying, but there weren't liner notes. There, and so you, nobody knew what the Misfits, nobody knew what Glenn Danzig was saying for 20 years. And, or well, I guess about 10 years at that point, 15 years, until the internet came along. And then I could finally understand, so I just would download and print out lyrics to songs so that I could listen to them in That's my dorm great. and re and sing along on my on pieces of paper. That's great. That's I, all the internet was to me. I, <laughs> I've I've also been thinking a lot about the explosion of the internet. Like when I you know dropped out of college and I moved to Austin. Like like we we covered all yeah. this. Like I thought this place was going to take off, and I felt like 
early on, I was validated and I had made the right decision because when we were working at the call center, uh, back in maybe like 99, that's when Time Warner Cable started rolling out cable modems mm-hmm. and like high-speed internet. Like we could finally move beyond dial-up and Austin was like one of the test markets where you could get a cable modem. And I remember working at the call center, like everyone was super excited about it because a bunch of like techie people, like everyone's like really into this stuff. And when, when these cable modems and this high-speed internet first launched, I remember it was six megabits was the speed. And if you wanted to get a cable modem, you had to take a class. What? Like, yeah, you had, because it was like when they, they rolled it out in beta, if you wanted to get a cable modem, you had to go to the Time Warner office and you had to take like a two-hour long class about how the internet works and how to set up your cable modem. And they did not let you share that connection. If you had a cable modem, you could only plug it into one computer. If you wanted multiple computers on the internet, you had to get multiple cable modems. So for a very brief period of time, at least here in Austin, I don't know how it worked elsewhere, a lot of the coworkers that we had would set up this like proxy software because they would run the, yeah. the, the internet into one computer and then run like, put a second network card in their computer, run like a proxy router on that computer and then like plug that into a hub and share it amongst all the computers in their what home. What year was this? 99. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And this was like for the first six months to year that high-speed internet, in air quotes, high-speed internet existed, this is like the hoops you have to jump through in order to be able to uh, get anything faster than dial-up. But I felt like in that moment when they were testing high-speed internet in Austin, that's when in my mind I was like, I felt validated. I was like, I made the right decision. This is the kind of town where the internet stuff's going to take off. Like, we're going to be able to test things early here. We're going to be on the bleeding edge, and we're going to, you know, we're going to figure this out, and we're going to make money. That wouldn't, we, me, being <laughs> me and whoever I met in the future yeah, to yeah. help me with this. Like, I couldn't do this on my own. Like, we, we're going we're gonna to make money on this, and we're going to figure this out, and we're going to corner this. Wow. And, uh, you know, luckily I met, I met the right group of people at that call center. And, you know, I think it was just the kind of place that attracted people who had an interest in internet things, maybe not necessarily knowing what they wanted to do, but, you know, similar enough thinking-wise. On top of that, too, Austin was, at that time especially, a very easy and attractive place to live for entrepreneurs because it was so cheap and affordable and it was pretty highly educated. And there just is an, to this day, I've never experienced it anywhere else, there is an entrepreneurial spirit to the people of Austin, Texas, that like every single person here has an idea and, and thinks that they can figure out how to turn it into a success. And a lot of them do. Yeah. And the people in the city support the hell out of it. You know, and, and that's something that I haven't seen change the entire time I've been here is that Austinites support other Austinites in their entrepreneurial dreams. Yeah. yeah. I think that is changing awesome. a bit just as the city oh. has grown, um, you know, for better or worse, it's just like a bigger city. People are more involved in what they're doing and their day-to-day thing as opposed to trying to help other people out. But, you know, just something you said before in a previous episode, it's like for a long time it was, what did you call it, the Velvet Ditch? The Velvet Ditch. Like, is a, not it, my phrase, but yeah. I think it was a place where you could get by on very little money and just try to, you know, do whatever it was that you wanted to do. You know, try to, try to make those dreams happen. So, like... To that point, you know, I started wondering, you know, when we were working at the call center back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I started wondering, like, how much money was I making back then? I can't remember. It was so long ago. Mm -hmm. So I I looked it up. If you, you know, like you can log into the Social Security website and you can look up, like, how much money you earned because, you know, all that has to be reported to the Social Security when you're working here. I moved to Austin in 1998. In 1998, I made $10,600. In 1999, which is the year we met, I made just under twenty three thousand dollars, 
Like that was the amount of money that was okay. I had a roommate, but like I was living, we were bowling, we were going to the arcades. Like we were down at going to casino. Right. Like, it's it's like I, I mean I was money was tight, but it wasn't like I was in dire yeah. straits by any stretch of the imagination. In the year two thousand, must have been a good year. I made thirty eight thousand dollars. Like. We, it, this wasn't a lot of money we were talking about back then. We were I, scraping by, doing what we, whatever we could do, to try to, to try to make money to then go out and have fun, to read the Chronicle. That's why we would try to find free movies and what, go, go get free beer on South Congress and try to like stretch that entertainment. Yeah, I, I must have made around the same. We, I mean, did, we worked at yeah. the same place, and I owned a home and had a wife who yeah. didn't work. Yeah. It really is, you know. They, they do. They millennials talk about the, the death of the American dream, uh, which was, you know. Honestly, uh, bullshit from the beginning. The, the idea of the American dream. I hope that doesn't sound anti-American, but it was like it was manufactured to try to get people to buy homes. Yeah, <laughs> it was, uh, absolutely. It's a market in the '60s. It was, uh, but uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> you can really see it. Like yeah. that really puts it into context. Like I, at 23, was able to on a on an eight dollar an hour job, I was able to buy a home and support a wife who didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Like, it like, is wild. To, to, we, weren't, to we were not living well, but we weren't living poorly right. either, you know? Yeah, I had. I mean, like I said, I had a roommate, but we I were, had a we car. Were, we would go out and have fun. We were playing video. We had to take the video games back every seven days to <laughs> EB Games or whatever and return them. But, like, we, we were doing just as well. We were probably having more fun then than we are right now. Yeah. It's 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 uh it's 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 crazy to look back and to have that record where you can look back and uh, and try to put that stuff in perspective. Yeah, it all whiplash so fast. I think is the thing. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday. I listened to uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, that yeah. Smashing Pumpkins album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came out in ninety five or ninety six. One of the it was ninety five, maybe yeah. ninety four even. Yeah, and it, it, it album was huge, great big album or whatever. And I said if I was gonna give somebody an album that's like, what did the 90s sound like? I'd give them that album because it's big and it has like a big span and everything. And I said, this is to me what the 90s sounded and felt like. You put that album on and you worked at a block, like a blockbuster and that was enough to get by and be relatively comfortable. And then 1999 and 2000 happened and f- fuck you, go to hell. Yeah. How much money do you make? Make more. That's yeah. how it. Like the end of the '90s felt like. Well, it was. What else you got? What else you got? What else you got? I mean, it was that acceleration. It's that internet time that we're going yep. there that we mentioned yeah. already. It's like the acceleration of the internet. Everything yeah. just went like on this crazy curve up, and uh, you know we've we've never recovered. We never slowed down. You know, sure there have been a couple of like financial crises. We're probably in the start of one right now. There have been a handful of things that knocked the economy down, but baby, but we're it, still kicking. it doesn't stay down. That's the thing. That's the thing that scared me after the 2008-2009 financial crash. Like, it felt like we were on such a precipice yeah. of collapse and things changing. And then within two or three years, people forgot about it. Yep. It's like, oh, that's old news. Everything is up again. I wonder if it's just generational, right? Because the I feel like the 80s... Was the the era of uh, m- me and wealth, right? And uh, and spending and showing uh, your success through spending, uh, and it's very Gordon Gecko, very like you know, very inwardly focused, very selfish. And that seems like it was a response to a '70s that was the counter of that, right? Like it was the height of the counterculture, and it was when uh, it was starting to go south. And the the kind of the, the the sheen was wearing off the '60s, and the '80s was a like a like I guess like a vehement response to that. I wonder if the 2000s were a response to the honestly the kind of like the cynic, cynicism and the nihilism yeah. of uh, of the '90s. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think somebody needs Chuck Klosterman to figure this out. 
I think it's a lot. A lot of it is like, it's, it's. I, I hesitate to say this. It's our fault. It's it's definitely Generation X who grew up. Well, you know, they got older and they were like, they were looking at making twenty two thousand dollars a year, being like, what else is there? You know, I'm not going to work at this Blockbuster anymore. I'm going to get mine. And it's our generation's fault. Yeah, but do you think? I but think we, is, but that is, that isn't that what the '80s preached to us constantly? Yeah, and, and it's and, and that, that was going to be my follow-up was that we learned it from the baby boomers. You know, yeah. I think that you know we saw what they were doing, and who, uh, by the way, don't fucking work and didn't fucking work. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you know, oh man, I don't know how much shit I want to stir here. I think a lot of it's like the boomers' fault, and then Gen X saw what was happening and followed suit. So I think it's also, to a lesser when, extent, our fault as well. And everything's now fucked up for everyone who came after us. The Gen X is that sticky generation, too, where we're, like, possessed of a lot of the unhealthy practices of the previous generation because it's kind of, imbu- like, it's imbued in, a, in our psyche yeah. from growing up and experiencing it. But also wanting to pull the world into a better place that's, you know, more equal and representative. Yeah. And I, we've certainly, uh, although you could argue that a lot of those... Uh, successes are, are a danger of erosion right now and, and currently actively being eroded. Yeah. But uh, it's sort of like, in a lot of ways, I think the Gen X was sort of the heavy lifting generation, you know? I agree with that. I think they also saw through it the fastest. Yeah. Like, I think that they had the best of intentions at the beginning and then faster than I think any other generation went, oh, f- fuck this. I think it's it's the internet that came along. Mm. You know, I think it's it, it's at the tail end of the Gen X generation. Like, technically, I'm Gen X. I don't really identify with it so much. Internet came out when I was like, I mean, I started using it when I was probably 13. What year are you born? 78. You're, you're definitely Gen X. Yeah, I'm dude. at the tail end of it, but I feel like I'm more on the millennial side of it. Okay. I'm a lot more... I think I'm a lot more millennial than I am. You're Gen a cusper. X. Right. And I think it was like the information being readily accessible is what kind of changed all of that. Mm. Like whether or not you grew up with the internet or not and how early it was introduced into your life and how early you gained that access. Like even though I grew up in the middle of nowhere, I was very fortunate to have internet access. My mother was a teacher and there was this thing, I don't know if it exists anymore, there was this service called the Texas Educators Network, Tenet. And if you were a teacher, you could get free access to it. It was like an 800 number you could dial from your computer, and it dialed you in to like a mainframe here in Austin that I believe the University of Texas ran. And that's how I was able to access the internet with no graphics. I had like a 2400 baud modem, and I would dial into this computer here in Austin on an 800 number and just see like this wall of text. And you weren't even looking for Misfits lyrics. I wasn't even looking for Misfits lyrics. But I mean, that's like how desperate I was to try to access it and then <laughs> even try to monetize it. Can I tell a bad story? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah. we, like we said, I, I grew up in a small town of like 20,000 people. I was far and away the first person and to have the internet in that town. And I was the only person to have access to internet in that town. This is Eagle Pass. Yes. And uh, they do have internet now. Yes, they do. Okay. Cool. Even though like this tenant thing I'm talking about, even though all teachers had access to it, it was like this very obscure thing. No one knew about it. Like, I don't even know how I found out about it. So no one used it, really. And uh, even then, back then, if you had a computer with a modem, like I had a 2400 baud modem, you know, it was like really weird to even have access to the stuff. Anyway, I saw an opportunity. (laughs) Being the only person with internet in the town meant that I had access to research papers. I had access to other things people had written. Oh, my God. And high school and junior high kids are lazy and need help getting projects done. And for a small fee, I could help facilitate and connect you with the information you're looking for. Uh, 
at a low at a low low uh, re- very reasonable price. So I started <laughs> selling access to the information that I could get on the internet uh, to other people who uh, who went to school with me. How, how, how'd that work out for you? Lucratively. <laughs> oh, man. I used to sell blow pops. That's so much cooler. <laughs> so, like, you were a cyberpunk-style information broker? <laughs> yeah. It's like, in Eagle Pass? Yeah, you need a research paper on the Hoover Dam? Well, let me... <laughs> let me put let in me, my fingerless gloves. Let me see what I can get you here. I'm in. <laughs> Let me use Archie to to connect to a server in San Diego. Were you were you totally like cool guy hackering it too? Like, listen, you can't tell anybody where you got this information from. I, I can get I into a lot show, of trouble. I'm not show, even legally supposed to be here in this database right now. I wouldn't even show them or tell them. I just print it out on my Canon bubble jet printer and just hand them a stack of papers with uh, the information they're looking for. It, it worked out well for a while. And then <laughs> I don't know. I just got tired of it. Like, then it became. Not fun. Then I was using the internet for other people. Like I, I was their right. Google, right? It's like I, I just want to use the internet for my stuff. I want to down, <laughs> download whatever the fuck it was I was downloading. Get in stupid chat rooms and look at news groups. God, do people even still use news groups anymore? Uh, do they still exist? I, they I must assume. exist. I don't know. That's where you would get all the Howard Stern episodes illegally oh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alt that Howard Stern. That's how also like way back in or the day. That's Stern how too. you would uh, pirate movies. <laughs> yeah, there were uh, news groups dedicated to that. I wouldn't know anything about that, but yeah. <laughs> We, uh, dude, I'll tell you, nothing fixes, nothing curbs a piracy appetite faster than watching the thing that you just spent a year making and pouring your heart into getting pirated. <laughs> that was season one of Red versus Blue was the last time I ever. I, I was like, oh, I'm paying for everything for the rest of my well, life. It's also a lot easier to buy stuff nowadays. Yeah, it is. It uh, is. Back then, it was like there was no way to buy anything digitally. You know, you had to go see it in the theater or wait. You know, for it to come out and go, then go buy it physically. You know, if you want to see something otherwise, fuck you. But I remember there was a period in time in those late '90s where I pirated a movie or two. Obviously, I don't do that anymore. I pay for everything on the up and up. But I remember sometimes we would get like people would post movies to these news groups that were unfinished cuts of movies that hadn't come out yet. Yeah, I I downloaded a cut of American Pie that had a different soundtrack than what came out in the theaters. Oh, wow. I, re- I remember that. It's like, oh, like, because I, I went and saw it anyway when it came out in the theater. Like, I remember it's like, You oh. saw it twice just to make up for yeah. it. Yeah, well, I was like, oh, there's like the song that played in this scene in the version I downloaded was totally different than the song that's playing probably in a, the scene now. Probably just like a placeholder soundtrack that right. they put or like, in there? That's they crazy. couldn't get the rights yeah. to it or for whatever reason, wow. like the song in the final version changed. And I remember, this is another terrible story. We, uh, I, not we, I, I had downloaded... <laughs> Um, Star Wars Episode One of Phantom Menace. Uh-huh. Like we had camped out. Remember, yes. we camped out to buy tickets. We'll, maybe we'll tell that story in a second. But we had camped out to buy tickets. We bought tickets. We saw it in the theater, and uh, I had downloaded it. It was a sh- really shitty, like shaky cam version that someone had. Uh, it was a shitty movie too. It was a shitty, sick, shaky cam version that someone had uh, downloaded. And we, like I had a bunch of people over to my house, and we we're like, "Yeah, let's all get drunk. Let's drink and watch the Star Wars movie at home." It was when I lived at the Metropolis. I don't know if you remember. I think you, I think you were there. Uh, uh, allegedly. Can I, can I confirm or deny? Um, and so we were watching it, and I was drunk, and we had, we had the, it was like late at night. We had the movie cranked up really loud for some reason, probably because I was drunk. And then, like, the Texas State Troopers ended up knocking on my door. What? I definitely don't remember this. And uh, I was like, oh, shit. So, like, we had to pause the movie and turn it down. They're like, uh, we got a noise complaint. We can hear whatever it is you're doing in here, like, all the way across the apartment complex. And I was like, sorry, I'll uh, turn it down. Like, all right, yeah, don't make us come back out here. And I was like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do something else. You're like, it's the piracy police. They're on to me. Yeah. That was a crazy, that was a wild apartment complex uh, because the, the reason I moved there, again, this is like the whole internet thing. They had the apartment, this was in the late 90s, early 2000s. The entire apartment complex was wired with Cat5 Ethernet. So you could plug in in every room. You could plug a computer in and get high-speed internet. And it had wild colors. It was, yeah, like it was this really crappy rundown apartment complex that they painted crazy colors to make it seem like artsy. Those are all the strippers lived. Awesome. Um, awesome. My, my roommate's room, like once a year, would flood and it would be like the Temple of Doom, like all these Insects would come crawling out of everywhere. Uh, anyway, they had e Ethernet in every room, and you could plug your computers in. But it was like this small, low-rent local company that did it, and they also ran the phone service. Mm -hmm. So in my apartment, we still had a landline. If you picked up the landline and my neighbor was on the phone, you could hear his conversation. And my neighbor was a drug dealer. <laughs> so it's like you could just, if you wanted to, you could just pick up the phone and listen to him making drug deals all day long. And, uh, like, people come in and go in, like, you, you, I knew how much everything cost, because, like, oh, yeah, the dude He next door is not exaggerating. You would come over to his house and hang out and just pick up the phone randomly and be like, let's see what people are buying tonight. What? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember one time I was, like, sitting in that apartment, and uh, this is off of, like, Montopolis, or Pleasant Valley? It's Pleasant Valley. Pleasant it's over Valley the Pleasant Valley Riverside, Riverside yeah. Uh, I was sitting in, uh, in that apartment, and someone knocked on my front door, and I opened it. And it was some dude I didn't recognize. And he was like, hey, my name's Jacob or whatever. Uh, I live, you know, upstairs over there. My roommate said he can eat three ha habanero peppers, and we don't think he can. He's about to try it right here in the courtyard. You want to come watch? Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was like oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I, was like, I just went out and watched his roommate eat habanero peppers in the, in the fucking courtyard of the metropolis. Did he do it? He did it. Yeah. He absolutely did it. <laughs> It was like it's funny. He's like he just went around knocking on everyone's door, like, "Hey, you want to watch my roommate eat some habanero peppers?" I, hey, you want to watch this dipshit? <laughs> yeah, man. I will say that they were tricking a lot of people with with some wacky paint and a rusted out car that they put on a yeah. pole in front of the place. But the Metropolis in the early, late '90s, early 2000s, if you were in your 20s, was a pretty fun place to hang out. Yeah, it, <laughs> it really it, was. It really was. Uh, oh, it was much more expensive than the previous place I had lived at, but it was worth it for. The internet for those experiences like that. Yeah, man, you're making twenty four thousand dollars, <laughs> baby. You can do anything. You can walk to work from there, pretty much too. I, I don't remember how much rent was. I remember. I wish I remembered how much I paid in rent for that Wild. for that place. I remember it was expensive, and that's yeah. why you lived with Frank. Poor Frank. He had he had the the Temple of Doom bedroom that would just that get sucks. overrun with. That's insects. awful. That was also a time. I, you know, speaking of like these free movies that we would go to, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a very brief period of time where I would randomly get mail from like PR companies with free movie passes really yeah like I remember one time I checked my mail and it was like it was just an envelope like an envelope with no return address I opened it and it was like two free passes to watch American Beauty at the uh, at the Metropolitan and I was like who sent this to me you know what this is a would be a, I don't have any stories for it but this would be a good segue into another thing we used to do back then that I had completely forgotten about to this moment where we would find it from the Chronicle, is there used to be, you could go and sit in focus groups for like oh, four yeah. hours, watch a commercial about Zima or whatever, and then give your notes on it, and they'd give you like a hundred bucks, and you'd be like, I just got paid 25 bucks an hour to do this. Mm -hmm. This is awesome. And all it cost me was Saturday. <laughs> when every day was Saturday when you're 25, right? When you're making $22,000 a year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, that's that's good money. And we would do that a lot. I remember specifically... It's funny you said Zima. I remember very specifically doing one for Mike's Hard Lemonade. Uh, I think it was at, back then it was the Radisson, what is it now, the Line Hotel? It was like in one of the conference mm. rooms there. And they showed us like storyboards for a commercial. 
And I thought it was so dumb. And they ended up making the commercial. I saw it like a year or two later. It was like a dude getting chased up a tree by a bear because the bear wanted his Mike's Hard Lemonade or something. And I remember just being like, it doesn't make any sense, whatever. And then like, you're right. At the end, they were like, here's a hundred bucks. I was like, all right. For, they gave me a hundred bucks. And I got to tell them the commercial was stupid. Yeah. And then, great. And then we go get drunk. We, I, we probably did, I probably did seven or eight of those. And I feel like you did more. I feel like I, you were more prolific I, than I, I did them as much as I could. Yeah. Because it was like, back then, the way I thought about it was, it was free money. You yeah. know, and as I've gotten older, the thing I realized is that if you value your time at zero, then yes, that money is free. Yes. It's like, what is the value of your time? And back then, for 100 bucks for four hours, absolutely. 25 bucks an hour, that was 100% worth it. Yeah, I that, think when you're young, you don't know to value your time, and you don't know what your time is worth. That's a, yeah, that's a part of growing up is figuring that out, figuring out what your time is worth to you. And yeah. you have to go through that stuff so you can determine it. And a lot of people, and, and the answer is different for everybody, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. My time became pretty valuable pretty quick to me <laughs> in, in those instances. Yeah, I, I, totally, I totally forgot about that. We're right at this wrap-up time. Are we? Sure. Yeah, I know. Can you believe that? Oh, wow. At that Mike's Hard Lemonade, we're going to wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remembered some part of your story uh, that led into something for us. It was, we'll tease it for next time, although it's not a big story. Uh, it was at that Mike's Hard Lemonade thing, I believe, that you listened to two dudes talk and who had figured out where liquor specials were at uh, every bar in yeah. Austin and they knew the cheapest place to drink any night of the week in Austin you're right which we thought was a brilliant business model yes we need to talk about that we also need to talk about that time we camped out for Star, Star Wars. Wars Episode 1 tickets sure. uh, there's a lot of stories actually is the Metropolis still there? there? yeah yeah Tinseltown bulldozed yeah. but Metropolis, Metropolis is still, still there, there. Okay. We should, we should, that, that reminds me we should also talk about dudes with the speakers in the van uh, oh gas station dudes yeah that's that, a great one Hopefully we'll get to all of those next time. I don't know. Well, if we remember. You know, and that's a, something else, too. Uh, I was wondering if the audience wants us to talk about anything. Like, we've been doing this. We've been talking to audiences for so long. Part of the reason, I don't want to retread that water, but is for us to, like, retell and relive all these old stories. But there may be, there's going to be a billion things that we've forgotten. Yeah. If there's anything you want us to discuss, even if it's hyper-specific, like, what was it like making episode season one of Red versus Blue or whatever, I'm happy to, oh, yeah. we didn't, to go through that stuff. We didn't even talk about, like, uh, I think there was something we wanted to talk about this episode. I totally forgot about right now until you said that. Like, me going to Japan back in 2005 and going to that conversation club. Oh, yeah, dude. And, oh, uh, yeah, we talked about that on the way after an episode. Yeah, but we never actually circled back. And I'm making notes for all this stuff. <laughs> we, so. ne we never actually got circled back and talked about it. Nuh-uh. There's going to be a lot to talk about on the next couple of episodes, but um, before we go, <laughs> it's a couple of guesses for what, oh, right. what the name stands Before, before yep. you read this, uh -huh. if anyone ever actually does guess it, do you want me to actually acknowledge it? Yes. Oh, I think if we say it on the show, yeah. Okay. But okay. like, if you read it somewhere, like no, you said, okay. you saw it and it was close. But I if, don't need to know that. But yeah, if you saw, it, has somebody has somebody guessed it? No, 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 no. I'm just trying to get ahead of it. Okay. 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 Uh, oh, we also rate the coffee. Oh yeah, this is. Uh, it's funny. I'm going to say this. It's a lot like uh, epoch coffee. Yeah, it's the same as epoch. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, uh, so it's a ten. Ten, 10 out of ten. For Great. Me. Cool. <laughs> that I told that to someone that we did like the seventh episode, and you gave the coffee a ten, and he just went. What the fuck? <laughs> um, Edgerman4 on Twitter says, Anma, another Monday of Anma. <laughs> How does he know we're taking this on Monday? <laughs> I, I like the idea of having the name of the thing we don't know the name of in, in the, the name. name. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, Drew Miller 
Uh, says Ansel motherfucking Adams. <laughs> okay. Uh, also a good uh, anti-meta Austinites from Chase Potter. A new mediocre attempt from mm. Nerp83. Despite the fact that works, no. Uh-huh. Um, Scruffy Jack sent a lot, but I'm just going to read one. Avenge my Austin. The <laughs> N being in the middle of avenge. I, <laughs> I like I like that line of thinking. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Oh, so we thought maybe N was the second letter in the first word, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying I'm feeling I'm like not it's saying not. that. It's one like a way fifth or letter in the third word. <laughs> uh, do you have a guess, Jeff? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Mm, okay, I'm gonna say anybody makes anything. No. Right, well. How about any more Austinites? Mm. Okay, there you go. Yes, please. I, I will, We're right by the You're My Butter Half Yep. Mural. They changed forgot, it back to Butthole. Yeah, You're My Butthole. Did it say You're My Butthole? It, it did for a while. For wait, like a was it well done? It was pretty good. Yeah, you never saw that? No. What? Oh, I hang on. I, I, got, I, I think I have the picture. It was saved. so good. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. You really never saw was that? that? Like, I can't believe was that. Was that like done by the artist? Or no. But I think the artist said that they thought it was really funny, Yeah, I think I think the artist said that they were like fine with it, but like... man. I, that makes me wonder how licensing goes, right? Th that guy painted that, or lady, whoever it was, painted it. I don't know. That's been there for seven, eight years, probably. Yeah. For a long, long time. I was still living over here when it was over. I feel like six months after that went up, you could go to A-Town on Burn It and buy, like, coasters yeah. of it. And it was like, it got commercialized so fast. And I wonder, where does that, who gets that money? Right. That's really funny. That should be the, that should be the, uh. Uh, thumbnail for this episode. Okay, I, I'll I have it saved. I'll be I'll have it ready. Okay, well, that's it for uh, Anima. You can follow us at Anima Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Eventually, we'll be posting more on both of those when I can hire somebody to do it. Uh, so, thank you so much for listening. Um, any parting words for people who are listening to this? Uh, move to Austin. <laughs> if if we haven't made it clear yet. Uh, the world is easier to live in now than it was then. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Although, I don't know. You could buy a house a lot cheaper back then. Yeah.